We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Joshua. Oh, hi. I, the listeners will start to understand is if you've listened to the podcast before, this is not how we normally start the podcast. And um, I just, I don't have it in me tonight. Um, I don't have the heart. I don't have the attention. I don't have the, oh, I will tell you this, but right before we throw it to the ad, it is a good thing that my, He's getting her to be 10 months old. It's a good thing my son's asleep because if he wasn't asleep, this would start to sound a lot like uh, first take or whatever show mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith is on. So really quick, I'm going to throw it to KCSE and we can talk on the other side. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page you know we can write a program based off of what a kid needs not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense it's what does this kid need on the pitching end we can say hey this kid needs such and such he needs to do this or that better a lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room Okay. Thanks to KCSC for picking up the uh, picking up the podcast this year. Josh, we decided to, to have some drinks. So mm. really quick, why don't you why don't you tell us what you're sipping on? I have some Kirkland Signature Canadian whiskey. That's good stuff. I uh, I, I opened this bottle around the third inning tonight, um, and this is just where I'm at. So uh, actually, a great a great great deal for for any Costco members out there. Uh, that stuff's really, really good. Uh, really hard to find a lot of the time, but uh, highly recommend the Canadian whiskey there from uh, Costco. That is good stuff. I am drinking tonight um, the best rum in the entire world. This is Havana Club. Mm-hmm. Havana Club, seven-year rum. I have not been able to find it in the United States. So I was, long story that I don't feel like telling, but I was in Cuba when I was in college. Went to Cuba for a month. And it's super cheap over there. And so I mm. brought, I bought like, it was like seven, eight bucks for that bottle. And so I bought three or four of them, brought them back. And then since 
recent administrations have shut the travel down, you can't find them anymore. So mm-hmm. every time I have somebody leaving, I know somebody who leaves a country. I'm like, if you see it at the airport, just grab it and bring it back for me. Yep. And it's usually about 40 bucks, but it is the best rum in the world. And I've got like three bottles. So what kind? I, I mean, it's obviously a gold rum. It's not a spiced rum, though, right? It is. See, I'm not smart enough to like walk. Right. I'm that. very, tasty. very dumb when it comes to rum. Extra bit. aged, crafted and aged seven years. It is, um, I don't know. So is that a, is that a rum neat or is that a rum on the rocks? On the rocks. I don't like warm or, drinks. Did so. you make it, mix up a daiquiri before you started? No, I put uh, like an ice cube or two mm-hmm. in my drinks because I just, I can't do a warm drink. So, yep. Un- understood. <clears throat> all right. Tonight's so all this about is... comfort. <laughs> yeah. So this is usually where we would get into the minor league minute. And I would love to talk about how gosh darn good Ben Kaderna has been in the minor leagues. I would love to talk about how gosh darn good Shane Panzini has been in his brief amount of time in the Royals system, his, his one start that he made, how good he looked. I would love to talk about how much better Frank Mazzucato was than his last start. I would love to talk about, you know, Michael Massey and Tyler Gentry. I'd love to talk about Ryland Kaufman and Noah Cameron. I just, I can't, I don't have, I don't have the heart to sit here and talk about the minor league guys really quick. So I should have pulled the stats up. Um, I'll pull them up now. Josh, is there anything that you just like to get off your chest? Just to start. Um, I mean, I've, I've kind of granted, I've had a solid rant session, probably like three weeks running. So I'm kind of at the point where I don't have much else to rant about. I mean, Carlos Santana is obviously God's gift to the Royals at this point. So um, there's nothing much else to say about how good Carlos Santana is. So I really don't have much Um, kind of regarding what you're talking about, the minor league. I did kind of look up. It looked like the Columbia Fireflies and the Quad City Bandits were both very addicted to striking out. Seems like every time we go back and look at the research, they've got dudes that are like walked once, struck out 11 times this week. You're like, what the hell? So I went back and did it. And uh, let's see, Columbia has around a 30.4% K rate as a team. And their team OPS is a 597. Quad Cities strike is somehow higher on the on the strikeout rate at 32.3, something like that. But their team OPS is at least 711. So they're at least hitting the ball really hard. But it's just it's interesting that uh, these two teams we didn't really know what to expect, especially with guys like Eric Pena. We wanted to get our eyes on them, but very much like Eric Pena, they're all striking out quite a bit. So there are some bright spots in there, obviously, just like any team, especially the Royals and the big league club that we might talk about a little bit tonight. But uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that was a little bit interesting, but uh, uh, I'm done. I mentioned it before the year started that the Columbia team didn't have a lot of college talent yeah. um, in the roster. It's mostly like high school kids and prep kids and international signings. Yeah. They didn't have a ton of upper level experience. And I think we're seeing that early is it's a young group in Columbia yeah. and they have struggled. They've them got, repeat, right? Probably yeah. Repeat I mean, a few of those guys, well, and a few of those guys are repeaters, and they're going to have yeah, a lot sure. more next year. So next year, that Columbia team could be very veteran, um, very experienced. This year, not a ton of that. And especially now that like Sarantola and Noah Cameron are gone, 
yep. their entire rotation is Ben Hernandez prep kid. The 2021 prep class, there's three of them. Yep. I'm missing uh, Luinder Avila, international sign, kids yep. 20 years old. Yep. I mean, that's a young team, and the lineup's yep. just as young. Um, our MVP of the week on the on the farm, unironically, Vinny Pasquantino <laughs> hit 478, had an OPS of 1.674. His ISO was 696. That's a weighted runs created plus of 315. That is our MVP of the week. We'll get to him. There's plenty of time to talk about Vinny Pasquantino here in a little bit. I, On this podcast? Us? That's not what I we mean, do. That's not what we've ever done, right? We've not never ever. talked about the young guys who could probably pop out to center field just as easily as anybody else. Um, my pitcher of the week this week was Ben Caderna. Ben Caderna was excellent in four innings down – or 3.2 innings. Now I can't remember how many innings he threw. He struck out five guys in four innings is what he did. Four mm. innings of one hit ball. Kid was brilliant. Yep. I think the fastball is even better than maybe I expected. Like it's not just that he throws it hard, but it appears to jump on hitters really quickly, and they have a really hard time picking it up. He is blowing 93-95 by guys. And 93-95 at low A is good, but the way that he's able to put it by hitters – it looks like he's throwing 97. Yep. And then you read down, it's like 93. Like, dang, that's really moving for 93. So all good things to say about Ben Caderno. That's my pitcher of the week. My hitter of the week, Michael Massey. Hmm. Michael Massey is crushing the ball at double A. I'm not entirely sure what I think of him as a prospect. Like I know the hype train is getting kind of out of control. This week he hit 481 with a 1220 OPS and a 202 weighted runs created plus. He had himself a great week. And the thing with Michael Massey is the power is becoming like a legitimate calling card. Like you have mm -hmm. prospects who have a calling card or two. Michael Massey, gold glove defense, a way above average hit tool. And now the power is becoming like a very useful third tool that he could access in games all the time. And so I think he's – probably a, a big leaguer like he's almost definitely a big leaguer in some capacity i don't know that i think he can be an everyday guy especially against lefties but he's hitting over 400 against lefties right now so what do i know um, <laughs> go ahead and give us your player and pitcher of the week well just a side note on your two guys Vinny and massey both made mlb pipelines prospect team of the week so i just yep. saw that before i popped on here but uh yeah good things from there uh speaking of good things suli matias a uh, hell of a week 14 20 ops had a 944 slug. He went seven for 18. Five of those seven hits were extra base hits with two doubles, a triple, and two ding-dongs. Only struck out six times, so that's encouraging. Uh, and he did walk three times as well. So, uh, Suli Matias, I mean, he's still striking out a lot. He is also hitting for a ton of power. And like we kind of talked about preseason, you can deal with a lot of those strikeouts and learn to live with them if he's being able to hit extra base hits. So, uh, he he did do that this last week, so good on him for doing that. I wanted to give out some. We've most of our pitchers of the week have been uh, starting pitchers for the most part. Obviously, the value is always a little bit higher with starting pitchers, but there's been a pitcher in Northwest Arkansas, Zach Williman. He was the player to be named later in the Danny Duffy trade to the Dodgers last year. Um, he had two relief appearances for Northwest Arkansas this week. Went three innings, no earned, one hit, one walk, and four Ks. 
And over his last five appearances, he's gone for six and two-thirds innings with no earned runs, that one hit and that one walk from this week and seven strikeouts. So Zach Williman had a great uh, a great week, been a great couple weeks. Um, we'll see how many times he can kind of string that together. Had it came out to a rough start. So uh, shout-out to Zach Williman for his solid week this week, and um, that's why he's my uh, pitcher of the week. Very good. I am going to do something that I never thought we would do. I honest to God, Josh, I never thought this would be a thing that happened Mm -hmm. on the Royals farm report podcast, but here goes absolutely nothing. (laughs) We are welcoming on now. um, Seth. Uh, (laughs) Seth, can you hear me? I can. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. This is, if you guys follow platinum Brero, the platinum sombrero on Twitter, this is the meme-generating French Revolution enthusiast of a Royals fan. I think, Seth, the French Revolution guillotine meme with Cal Eldred's head on a pike is the funniest thing I've seen in weeks. So, you know, Seth, I got to cap you up. You've got three minutes, but I just want clean, uninterrupted ranting. For I'm going to mute Josh right now is what I'm going to do. Josh is muted. I'm going to mute myself. You have three minutes of uninterrupted ranting. Keep it reasonable and just go for it, man. Yeah. So um, thank you guys for having me once again, Seth. I primarily just, I don't know. I just get bored and I post really bad memes on Twitter. Um, So, I mean, I I thought it was kind of ironic that you guys uh, gave, I mean, obviously you guys thought it was ironic as well that Vinny Pascantino won Uh, player of the week but I mean I may not be very good at math but I think when you hit a home run with three guys on base it ends up being four runs which I mean ironically ended up being what Carlos Santana had a weak pop fly to second base and what the Royals ended up losing by and I mean it doesn't seem like he's any short on home runs so I mean really just like desperate times call for desperate measures I mean you know, Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake. Royals management said, we're going to try to compete this year. Either way, they're gaslighting just people in general. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, am I am I calling John Sherman Louis the Sixteenth? Like, probably not. There's a little bit of a difference there. But, I mean, Marie Antoinette was a cautionary tale for a reason. And I mean, like, I don't know. And French goes to shit. A lot of other stuff goes to shit. So it's just ugly. I mean, ironically, I saw a tweet earlier today. Toro's like, you know, like I've been happier. So I'm sorry. I'm not posting as much. And my content got worse. And I mean, I don't have to worry about that because it's just perpetual hell. Um, so, I mean, in general, uh, you know, it's, it's just a great content machine. It keeps me employed. It keeps food on the food on my non-existent family's table. Uh, they're staying well-fed despite not having a family, um, and me getting absolutely zero revenue from a uh, shit posting on Twitter. Um, but you know, like it's, it's keeping food on the table. So like, honestly, thanks to the Royals for keeping me in business, um, they're my biggest supporters. They're also my biggest detractors because every day they find a new way to disappoint me. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm still looking, I'm still looking forward. I'm sure we're probably going to try to compete for a playoff spot next year. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens. You know, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm just really hopeful that it's going to turn around. Uh, so, you know, but I appreciate it. Hey, Seth, if, if John Sherman gave you a magic wand and you could do one thing, 
That's it. You get to do one thing with the magic wand for the Royals. What are you doing? Um, no starting pitchers. Everyone has a max of five innings. No one goes through the lineup uh, for a third time, and everyone throws anywhere between 20 to 70 pitches in a start. And, I mean, I don't know. Start getting inventive. It's almost like uh, it's almost like just trying to do what everyone else does with about half the budget size because your small market team doesn't really work out. I mean, I don't know. Uh, from what I've seen, that's not how the Rays and the A's are good. Uh, but, you know. That's exactly what I do. I think starting pitching is overrated. Uh, I think you can get creative enough to jam guys together. And we do actually, that is the one bright spot is we do have a history of good uh, relievers. Um, you know, I'd also probably. All right. Thanks to Seth for coming on. We appreciate him. Derek, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How are you doing? Not good, Derek. It's, it's rough <laughs> times out here. I tell you that. I, I'm yeah. assuming you were watching the Royals game. Yeah. Derek, I mean, do you, Derek? I didn't even look, bother looking at your. Do you do you like write for the Royals, or you just you, you just have season tickets? You a fan? Yeah, I've been a fan since I was one. My dad put this curse on me since I was born. <laughs> How old are you? Twenty three. Okay, so you were old enough when the Royals won the World Series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That was about two happy, two of the happiest years of my life, I guess. <laughs> the rest has been mystery. What kind of um. What kind of thoughts do you have? Because I, Josh and I are out. We are literally opening it up. We want to hear from you. You've got a couple of minutes here, and then Jared's waiting on us. But for a couple minutes, Derek, just vent. Let The, the Royals are going to listen to this because in some capacity, somebody will send it to them. They'll clip it. They will do something. Tell them, tell John Sherman, tell Dayton Moore why they should be concerned about the current attitude of the average Royals fan. Yeah, well – I mean, again, I would say, like most people that probably listen to your podcast and everything, probably an above-average Royals fan, uh, watch every single game every single year. And finally, my whole dream growing up was being able to finally be able to get Royals season tickets. Did that last year. Watch that. Can I, can I say the S word on your show? <laughs> yeah, let it, let it rip. Watch that shit show over here last year. <coughs> Carlos Santana go to nothing. Watch the pitchers turn to absolute again shit. And I, you know, every offseason, every fan is excited for the upcoming year. They are hoping for the best. And I just totally bought into all the Royals lies from John Sherman to Dayton Moore to JJ to Mike Matheny to God, even some of the players went Merrifield. I don't think I don't think anyone really thought that they were going to compete this year. And if they did, damn, they're bad at their jobs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you look at the roster from last year and you make one, two moves and think, "Hey, we're a playoff team." And I know the Central was supposed to be weak this year, but I I don't know. I, I guess I was just I was eating whatever they were giving me during the off season. My favorite part about it was that they not only did they only make a couple moves, but they don't want to put too much pressure on the young guys. And yet their whole freaking offseason regiment, the whole plan all offseason was Bobby Witt Jr. Save us. Be better than the organization. That was their entire offseason agenda. 
and they don't want to put too much pressure on the young guys. They might hurt their feelings. You might bring them up as they're gonna be little babies. It's gonna get them hurt. Vinny Pasquantino might get sad. He might not do good, and all the pressures on him. And dude, shut up! I'm so sick of it. So, Derek, you got 30 seconds. Go yeah. ahead. If Vinny came up and batted 200 and hit five home runs the whole year, it'd be better than what Carlos Santana and Ryan O'Hearn can do. So, you know, they're, I mean, I've already decided we're not getting season tickets last next year. So they're already losing money from a fan who would never thought they'd give up on the Royals. So, you know, as long as Dayton and JJ and Mike have jobs, it's going to be brutal. And just saying Friday, I don't know, maybe it'll be on somewhere. I'm, I'm bringing the sign that, to say fire them all. I'm going, I'm going Saturday, so I'll, I will miss you. But if you, if you, for some reason, end up making it to the game Saturday, message me on Twitter. I'll, we'll, uh, we'll meet up for a beverage somewhere. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, Derek. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Now joining us is Jared Perkins, a contributor of the site, a contributor at Major League University and at Prospects Live, all around baseball guy, Jared Perkins. Um, Jared, we're hurting. And yeah. by the way, I just want you guys to know, those of you who are listening and watching, if you're not watching on the screen right now are three faces. It's my face, it's Josh's face, and it's Jared's face. Well, down at the bottom, we have people that like sit in, they're buddies, um, and they sit in and they can see us. And every now and then Drake's face pops up into the thing. And I can see him <laughs> smiling at us and nobody else can see him. I don't even know if you guys nope. can see him. But I have I can never see seen Drake's him. face. And it's just like he keeps popping in. It's like he won't actually – now he just left. So, I don't know. Drake was smiling at me. But Classic that's Drake. like the first thing that made me happy tonight. So, haunting. Jared, go ahead. And, I mean, just what you got for us, man, because I've, I've got nothing left. This The organization has lied to us. We have been hoodwinked, run amok, led astray, bamboozled. Where, where do we start? I mean, it's, it's hard to come up with words at this point. Uh, it's – I think the most frustrating thing has to be the free agent signings over the last few years. It feels like we just bring in guys that are supposed to give us some kind of excitement that we're going to take that next step, whether it's Michael Franco or Carlos Santana or Brandon Moss or even Ian Kennedy at some point. And it seems like none of them pan out. They all kind of fizzle out. And the next thing you know, we're back to, to the bottom. And so it's like these guys come in and then they don't produce enough to get enough trade value out of them. I mean, we're lucky that we got Amir Garrett for Mike Miner. <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that one off still, but it, it comes to a point where the guys don't even provide some trade value and you don't get the prospects back. I mean, even look at the Mustakas trade. They only got Jorge Lopez and Brett Phillips. And we kind of know where those guys are now and kind of succeeding in Baltimore and Brett's actually <laughs> being somewhat successful in Tampa Bay. So <laughs> you have those things that are happening too. And then you just watch Jake Tunis over in San Francisco, even though it wasn't a trade. Now he's shoving, and he's being better than he yeah, no, has been. Worse, in they just City. cut him. They yeah. gave him to yeah. them for free, ninety nine. Yeah. And then you know what the one of the prospects did, Daniel Tillo. He mm -hmm. went and followed him. He's like, I'm gonna yeah. go over there too. And San Francisco is gonna turn him into the next Zach Britton. And I swear to God, when Daniel Tillo makes his <laughs> debut and looks like the next Zach Britton, I I will. I'm not gonna light myself on fire. In the yeah, don't do that. But that's the frustrating part, too. It's like these guys come up to the big leagues and it's like they give up on them. And it's because they don't have the development at the big league level, it seems like, to keep them moving on to that next step. And where they just go to these other organizations who have the, the tools in place, and next thing you know, they're taken off. Or 
they don't make it to the big league level, and yeah. we just cut them before we can, they can get there. Which one just now? ignore them. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I didn't – so in 2008, I was 14. Is that right? Yeah, 14-ish. And so when Kila Kaihue was tearing up the minor leagues, I didn't know that Kila Kaihue didn't really get a shot in the big leagues until he played two and a half, three seasons at AAA. So, yeah. excuse me, my whole remembrance of Kila Kaihue is raked in the minors, they brought him up, and he sucked. Oh, no. No, sir. He raked in the minors. They brought him up. He raked in that September. They sent him back down. He played the entire 2009 season, hitting not quite what Vinny's doing in Omaha right now, but, but you get the point. And then they didn't bring him up not one time in that 2009 season. I did yeah. not know that. That is some of the most unbelievable shit I've ever seen in my life. I'm going back. I'm getting <laughs> retroactively pissed off for Kila Kaihue. I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. Like, Kila Kaihue is a guy I always look at and go, ha, ah, this is why you can't get too excited. I'm looking at it now going, what were they doing? Like, yeah. th- was, it, was it one pitch in one location that he couldn't hit two, so you just never gave him a shot? That blows me away. I am floored that he didn't even get one big league at bat in 2009. That almost doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Seth and- gave us the greatest meme of all time because I asked him for it. It's the the circle of doom. It's Royal sign mediocre veterans. Said veterans suck balls. We're going to pay him to be our first baseman. Can't call it the prospects because the offense sucks. Lose 95 games. Sign mediocre veterans. Veterans suck balls, and it goes round and round and round and re-round we go. I'm looking at this now, and I am, I'm getting more and more frustrated by their lack of an ability or lack of willingness to just cut bait, bring in the kids, yeah. and, and, and let the kids suck. It's okay. They're not total snowflakes. They're not going to just melt under a little bit of pressure. Maybe maybe they end up being really good. MJ Melendez was not hitting in Omaha. He comes up, all of a sudden he's your one of your two, three best hitters. Yeah. I I just I can't do it anymore. I can't keep watching this. So, Jared, the last question I've got for you in the in the situational pose, how bad do things have to get before the fans start to show demonstrations of not accepting it anymore? I think they're already starting to at this point. I, I think we're well past that. I mean, it's you got people like the last guy who was just on saying they're not getting season tickets next year. And it's at this point, it's like you can't get any worse, but I guess you can because with four and 12 since the I think that Joel sent me was like four and 12 since they said that we're still in this or still in the race. Um, and it's the worst <laughs> record besides the Cincinnati Reds. And <laughs> I mean, it's just so hard. It's it's hard to feel like you're in it when it just keeps getting worse. The Reds are actively trying to lose. Yeah, they traded everybody. Everyone. They're trying to lose. <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to be – like my at least hope was this was going to be similar to the 2013 or season where they were a little bit above 500. That's like already close to 500. That's what I think the ex- expectation was from everybody. No one was expecting to win the division, but the fact that they're not even close to playing 500 ball is the what's probably frustrating more fans than anything. Jared, I apologize that this is your first appearance on the podcast. We've tried no to worries. get you on a couple other times, <laughs> and didn't end up working out. Um, so for anybody who's 
not familiar with Jared. He's the one who wrote that Brewer Hicklin piece on the website. He's doing the Get to Know a Royals Prospects series over on RoyalsFarmReport.com. Be sure to check out the work he does. He is brilliant. He's going to be helping us out with the draft guide this year. Jared, I really appreciate you. I promise we will make time for you to come on the podcast for a full segment soon. Sounds Probably around good. the draft. We'll come on. We'll talk about the draft, the state of the farm system. Um, but I appreciate you, man. Thank you again for joining us. Yeah, and good luck the rest of the night. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Who needs luck when you have whiskey? Oh, no. Oh, Sorry, good Drake. Lord. The, the computer mm. glitched me. So there was Drake in his work clothes. That's a lot better. Drake's Give getting me. ready to go drive yeah. the train. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Hey, look, Josh, I'm, I'm there. right there with you, my man. <clears throat> I, we, we need something tonight, man. I need a top off. Our right, next yeah. guest is Jacob Milham. Jacob is a contributor at Inside the Royals, also an Arrowhead addict on the Chiefs side of things. Jacob, we are out of shit to complain about. Um, <laughs> well, I shoot. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't even know. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know. I don't know what to say because what I want to do, Jacob, is is start calling for the guillotines. I want to go mm-hmm. full platinum sombrero. He's pumping in the, in the group <laughs> chat down. He's fist pumping us. You, you never I, go I do. full fl- platinum sombrero. Because Not ever. In what other line of work can you be so awful at your job and continue to keep it just because, well, we're paying him to do it. It's like, we're, well, we're paying him. It's, look, look, man, at, at this point, someone's got to have some sort of dirt on Dayton Moore, JJ, and at some level, man, because he's just blackmailing Keith this job for have years. You guys, have you guys ever seen the campaign? Yeah. Remember when Zach Galifianakis, his character, sits down at dinner, and they're like, now we want you to tell mom and dad about all the bad stuff you've done. And he's like, <laughs> you know, I said a curse word. And then he's like, I drank a beer with the old man down the street. He let me touch his wife's breast. <laughs> like, this is what that feels like. It's yep. like somebody's got like some dirt on Dayton Moore that's like, you know, I had a beer with lunch the other day. Like, because I cannot explain to you how horrific. Now, I, I want to backtrack really quick. I'm going to let Jacob talk because he's our guest. <laughs> I have defended Dayton Moore at every turn. There has been nobody on social media or on the Royals blogosphere that has gone to bat for Dayton Moore and J.J. Piccolo more than I have. So I'm not calling for their head. I do believe that if <clears throat> if they would pull their own heads out of their respective asses, that they, they, they are capable of turning this around. The, the most frustrating thing, and, and as a teacher, I'll give you a metaphor, and then I promise I'll Ooh. shut up. I'll mute myself. <laughs> as a Jacob, teacher, thanks for coming to listen. Of oh, course. As a teacher, the <laughs> most frustrating kids are not the kids who are lower ability and lower succeeding. It's the kids with high ability and low success rates because you know they're capable of more. Dayton Moore in this front office are capable. We've seen it. And they refuse to do the things necessary to be successful. They are outright refusing to win. That's all this is. They are tanking and they're they're lying about it. And that is the most frustrating thing for me is you are so capable. The pieces are in place and you are being cowards. I, and like I said, I know somebody will listen to this. It is cowardly. It is cowardly the way they're running this baseball team. This is not the way the Royals pride themselves on running a baseball team. It is cowardly. It is total bull. 
I gotta go. I gotta stop talking because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have an aneurysm. It is cowardly <laughs> baseball. It is pathetic. And that's why it's frustrating is because I know they're capable of better. Jacob, the floor is yours. Alex, I, I suggest, man, go go take a walk. Uh, maybe put the phone down for a little bit. Maybe some lo-fi music off of YouTube. There you go. See? Hey, you know what? That solves a lot of things. Josh, so you're going to have to sit here and listen to me. So I Let's do apologize. Do this. Let's do it. Hey, look, my my first – I saw the loss today, 7-3. And, you know, my first thought was, you know what? The Kansas City Monarchs are doing pretty damn good, right? Like maybe they maybe we have won a like twenty-two best. to one yesterday or something. I right? know. Maybe a good old best of seven series between the two and um and the loser winner. Leaves town. Yeah, yeah, loser leaves town. All right. <laughs> and you know what? I'm all about seeing Paulo Orlando in Kauffman Stadium mm. again. I don't even know if he's still with the team. Last time I checked in the Monarchs, Orlando was still playing somehow. Yeah, I think that's but right. look, I just I had David Lesky on the I, I sorry to plug my own stuff. I had no, David Lesky on the on the Royals Rundown podcast last night. We recorded, um, and Alex, we we completely agreed with you. Like you fans can almost palette a losing team as long as there's some transparency and some honesty with the fans. Like, hey, look, you know what? We're we're at this point right now. We want to smooth some things over with Finney. We want to smooth some things over with Nick. Um, we we think they're almost ready. But and when they are ready, we're gonna make these moves. Okay, it's gonna be a rough year. Buckle up, good to go. But this front office is lying. They're being dishonest. And I okay, Alex, you talk about aneurysms. And if anyone listening, you know, if anyone in your family's been affected by aneurysms, I apologize. But I about had one when Lynn Worthy put out his piece this morning. <clears throat> Just reading that headline was ridiculous, and uh, uh, mm, uh, and he just contradicted himself in the whole article. And I couldn't imagine, you know, we, we sit here, we talk about it. I couldn't imagine being a beat writer for for the Royals right now on any on any platform. Um, Alec Lewis has kind of kind of given up on social media. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Um, Lynn Worthy <laughs> still still doing his same thing. He's still getting his paycheck, but I look. I'm I'm just throwing my hands up at this point. Um, I'm gonna still keep plugging. I'm gonna still keep cheering for the Royals. But do okay. This this might be date myself a little bit here, but do y'all remember the legacy of you know Kansas State Wildcats football absolutely being atrocious? Like they were bad enough where they were giving free home tickets to the local high school kids. Like that's the point that the Royals are at right now. Mm. I don't know if you could pay someone to go to a Royals game right now. Yeah, we're gonna try. So if you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you um, follow the Twitter account, if Vinny's not in the lineup Friday when the Houston Astros come to town, I got two tickets for somebody. So find that and tweet I on Twitter because that's the only way that Royals fans will show up is if you give them tickets. <laughs> yeah. And honestly like this, I I don't know. P patience has run out in this fandom right now. Um, I I'm saying, I'm saying out loud, I'm trying to manifest it by the end of this road trip. Some sort of guillotine does need to come out, <laughs> go full platinum sombrero. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we, we all know who needs to go. We, from our perspective, we can tell. 
and I'm I sure promised I wouldn't talk about one of the guys on the podcast anymore, so I won't name his names. But he is so yeah. hilariously bad at his job. I wasn't going to share this. I will share it because it's we're just we're full send at this point. I think I don't think there's any oh, going yeah. back. So I will share this story. I got a text from somebody who <clears throat> formerly was a part of the organization in some capacity. I got a text the other day that said, I feel bad for the person that he who must not be named. I was like, why? Why do you feel bad for him? Because he is so bad at his job that he doesn't even know how bad at his job he is. And the only reason he has his job is because he's buddies with Matheny. And he can't even adequately. It, it's kind of like if, if we penciled Josh in the leadoff spot and he struck out a hundred times in a row and we just kept making him go out there because we wanted to. And he didn't even realize how bad it was like, Oh, I ticked that one. I almost got that one. They said, he's so bad. He doesn't realize how bad he is. And the only reason that they keep running him out there is because he's Matheny's buddy. And it's like, this is the guy that they've picked to lead the young arms is a guy who had never, ever, <laughs> ever been a coach before in his life. Mm. He never coached anything. He was a broadcaster for the Big Ten Network. Listen, Alex, he played in the majors and in the minors. Like, what What else do you want from a yeah, pitching well, coach? And want, apparently, he, lo- he loves to remind people of that. <laughs> that. I thought that was kind of a funny... <laughs> Oh my gosh! You you know who I do feel bad for? I feel bad for Sam Mellinger. His like this, this is his first season with the organization. Like, come on, man! The damage. Can you imagine the damage control Sam's gonna have to do tomorrow? He's probably doing it right now. He's probably spying on our podcast, just making sure we didn't go there, and we've sort of gone there at some point. So very true, okay. very true. Well, hey, Jacob, any. I'm going to give you the the Royals Farm Report podcast final thoughts uh, segment here. And you got any final thoughts before we bring in Marcus? Hey, man, look, I just want to say kudos to Vinny and uh, Massey for making the the team of the week down there. They're both putting in their work. They're both doing everything they need to do. And we talked about respective asses earlier on. Hopefully that happens. So that is my final word. Thank you both for having me on. Appreciate it. Jacob, we appreciate you, man. Have a good night. Of course. You too, man. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Marcus is in here. There he is. Yeah, Hi, I'm in here. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Not good. Not good? Well, no, I just, I we're just drinking. To, I, I got to watch. Well, that's the appropriate response, I think, to what's going on right now. <laughs> I just saw Jacob uh, in here the last few minutes, and it seemed the right level of energy and intensity. It seemed like right <laughs> where well, That's good. <laughs> Marcus, uh, are you ready for the guillotines? Are you ready for the French Revolution? Uh, I got to tell you, uh, it, 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 you know how with the Royals, everything happens in slow motion, you know, like everything happens in slow, the train wrecks happen in slow motion with the Royals, the sort of the changes happen in slow motion with the Royals. And so, you know, we've seen Terry Bradshaw go down and Alex Zumwalt come in, you know, it, it's all going to happen in like in, you know, the, the kind of time you would see in a, in a cinematic movie where it's like shh, all really slowed down. You're like, hurry up. <laughs> you know but eventually i think we'll get there so that's good well we're out of thoughts to give we're out of you know what's to give as well <laughs> um, well it's weird is when i came in i'm like i think i might actually be the most positive person in the sort of royals content creation sphere right now honestly mm. like just sort of surveying everybody else i'm like you know uh because if you watch if you listen to the episode this week which dropped this morning you know um we talked a lot about how like Last week was the the best I feel like the team has played all season. I was like, you know, yeah, a couple games blown by the bullpen last week, and that, that makes sense, but you got solid starts out of three of your five starters. The offense looks much more competent at the plate right now. Bobby Witt Jr. went off last week. You know, it was, it was a, a highly positive thing for me, and so I'm out here saying all this positive stuff and whatnot, and then our, like, main spotlight segment is about how, like, the Royals refuse to bring up Vinny Pascantino and all the terrible reasoning that comes behind that. I think that's the stuff that really frustrates people. It's like, especially the sort of people, the diehards, like the three of us who pay attention on a daily basis and read everything in the media and things like that. It's like, it's one level to have the team blow leads or, or lose games later, things like that. It gets kicked up an extra notch when, you know, they're, they're sort of feeding you lines that you know aren't true where they try and twist themselves into pretzels to explain some weird ass whack reasoning that doesn't make Clayton any sense Kershaw at all. wins. Yeah. <laughs> That's a classic. Like what? What is happening? That's a perfect one. There's some magical pitch they throw Vinny Pasquantino that he hasn't figured out yet. It's like okay, what are they throwing him? Like a they throwing him a shine ball down there? What are they throwing? Yeah, uh, the the gyro ball, the infamous gyro ball. The TF Bugs Bunny out, out there teaching him how to throw the you know the disappearing pitch or something. You know, like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, right? But it's kind of it's comical. I mean, it's comical in the way tragic and sad things are sometimes. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know. It's, uh, but I, when I look at the big picture, which is what I spend most of my time looking at, I'm like, is this team better than the team that started the season? Absolutely, I think. I think the team that they have right now, add Kyle Isbell in there now that he's back, I think the team in there right now and the starting rotation is better than the team that started the season. And so, yeah, we blew that first 40 games. Bound to happen when you're running out guys like O'Hearn and Santana and so forth. But we learned a lot about the team in those 40 games, and this version is a lot better than the one that started. I can tell you that right now. I 
can't bring myself to be positive tonight. Like, <laughs> I, I wish I could agree with you on something. And it's I just do. like, I don't I have, do. like, being positive takes a certain amount of energy that I don't have. And I can't keep watching the same shit over and over and over and over and over. And I think what we were talking about with Jacob is the, the I'm tired of being lied to. Yeah. I'm tired of them pissing down my back and telling me it's raining. Like, I wish there was a worse metaphor that I could give you for that. But that's about what's happening. Well, and we I don't understand. I don't understand. They have to think we're just totally dumb. Because in the in the that's the thing with the Clayton Kershaw comp. Either Dayton Moore really is that dumb, and I don't believe he is. I really don't think Dayton Moore is that dumb. But Dayton Moore is either so dumb Josh that he it. believes <laughs> Clayton Kershaw struggled his first two years, or he thinks we're that dumb. Regardless, think, it's not a good position to be in. I think what he thinks is that ninety percent of the fan base isn't paying attention to what he says, and the ten percent that is is going to be with him. We're thick and thin. And so it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like he can lie to us. We're going to get pissed. And, I, and, you know, it's easy to get pissed. And I, I totally understand getting pissed in this moment. But it doesn't mean I'll like stop. And the, the, the number of people who are going to stop watching is very limited, you know. And so, uh, well, at least the number of people like us who are going to stop watching. It's actually the casuals who are going to stop watching. And that's they something did. they need. They need to worry about. They really need that's to worry out. about that because. You know, they're the type of team that needs them to watch. They're the type of team that needs people in. You know, every dollar counts for them in some ways, especially after some decisions they made that were, I would call, very good and moral decisions during the pandemic to pay all their people and keep people on staff. They need the money. And so, you know, put a, put an entertaining product on the field and, and you'll have a better shot, I think, at, at doing that. But you're right. It, I, I, we said this on the, on the show today, that like, if you're winning, nobody cares if the org is lying to us. Like if they were winning, we wouldn't care about that. The Chiefs lie to their fan base all the time. It's just sort of a, a thing that we sort of accept when when a team is winning. It's like, oh, they're telling that old lie again. You know, like it's just look at all this hype behind Justin Ross right now. You guys, do you guys follow a lot of that time? Like, <laughs> Justin Ross is gonna get practice squatted after week two. And like, but they're talking about him like he's, you know. The next, the next Jerry Rice, you know. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I I'm tempted. I, I try and keep Royals Weekly twitter strictly about the royals like a pretty hardcore strictly about the royals kind of a attitude i have but man every once in a while i'm just really tempted to throw out a tweet that's like what are we going to feel like when he's practice squatted after week three are we going to just sort of like pull ourselves ask ourselves real hardcore questions like what am what am i doing with my life like stuff like that when i get so caught up in the narratives that teams throw out there and that's what that's why i can't get mad at them for lying the royals i mean because I don't ever listen to the bullshit they say. Like, I, I don't, you'll notice that we don't interview players, coaches, or for, well, now we can't because they would never let us. They would never come on our show. But like, <laughs> you, guys can, you guys can get players and coaches. Oh, and yeah. I, we can't. We would never, we could never do that. And I wouldn't want to. But that's the thing. I don't want to talk to them. The whole, that's my big, I have a big beef against access journalism because it just, it's, it's blowing smoke. And I love the work that Lynn Worthy and Alex Lewis, and I love the work that they do. And it's maybe important in some respects, but it's wading through 90% of garbage to get to 10% of something good. I don't want to do that work. I just want to sit back and comment, comment and do commentary and analysis and <laughs> crack jokes about different stuff. You know, like I don't want to, you know, wade through all that stuff and i don't want to hear from a team that i know is just going to lie right to my face because that's what they're mm -hmm. going to do that's what teams do in this situation well i appreciate you being with us tonight a b if you're not familiar with the work marcus does truly 
one of my favorite, my very favorite big league podcasts at Royals Weekly. Find it on I, I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Royals Weekly. I'm a, I'm a weekly. Oh no, I now I can't remember. Weekly. You're a weekly weirdo. Weekly weirdo. I kept wanting to say maniac. It's like it's not maniac. I am a weekly weirdo. Legitimately, one of my favorite podcasts I listen to. It's Marcus and his brother Mike. Mike is one of the most. He is the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you believe the intros. If you believe all those intros, yeah, he is an interesting man. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but so. thank you very much. I, I I spent time writing and still write occasionally for Royals Farm Report. Love the podcast. Love that KCSN brought you guys on. That was one of the wisest moves they've made. And so yeah, I just love listening every single week. And right now, when things are looking a little dire at the major league level. Look down at the minor leagues. There's a lot more hopeful down there. And so, and I'm really excited for draft coverage coming up. And I've been re- reading the stuff you have so far. I'll try and snag Alex or somebody or Josh or Joel or somebody to come on and talk drafts here in a, in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, it's great stuff from Royals Farm Report. I can't sing their praises enough. So, well, I appreciate you, man. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I do. If and this is just for the audience, like if, if, if you want to find hope, I understand. First off, you have to know that, like, you're not less of a fan if you step back, if you step away, if you can't watch a game one night. Nothing wrong with that. You know, having a healthy relationship with sports means understanding when you're not in the mood to watch them. And that's totally okay. But if you want to find hope, if you want to do something like that, pay attention to some of the smaller things. Pay attention to what Melendez looks like when he gets up to the plate or what Bobby Wood Jr. looks like when he gets up to the plate. I find that my sort of analytical mindset when I'm watching games really allows me to stay detached from the ultimate outcome sometimes. And I can say, hey, look, that was positive because of this thing, or that was positive because of that thing. And yeah, the bullpen blew it again tonight. But you know what? It's not that hard to construct a bullpen. We'll find some guys eventually, you know? Um, So yeah, yeah, I understand the, uh, and sometimes it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be pissed. And that's part of the fun of being a sports fan, right? Like, and so if you embrace that attitude, but if you, if you think you need to step away, step away, but there's always a way to find a way to watch and, and enjoy even when the team is, uh, Wow. Not, Hot not, garbage. Uh, not, not <laughs> the, type, the type of stuff you see flaming on, on front porches every once in a while, you know? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Going to continue to listen all the time. Uh, so thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate Thanks, Marcus. it. It's awesome. What a good, I mean, Marcus, that was such a great, like uh final, a final guest, a final call in, if you will. Cause it was, I mean, I feel great. He powdered our balls and gave us something to look forward to. I, I mean, I feel great. I feel great right now. I feel like it's going to be hard to get mad like over again. Like I just <laughs> <laughs> between him and the rum, I'm just calm. I'm just right. I'm just somber. I um had a point I wanted to make, and now I don't even remember. Well, I've got I got a few here. Yeah, please. I please do. So I, I want to go back to the Linward of the article. Um, I think we need to keep it in mind that and Lynn is great at this. I want to defend him a little bit because he is one of the guys that cuts the bullshit. He reports what it is, what he's told, and he ships it to you. So I, I'm 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 very uh, hesitant to blame him for any of that article. That was all Piccolo's message coming through Lynn Worthy's platform. One hundred percent. Um, I understand. And maybe I'm naive and stupid for the reasoning that Piccolo was talking about, like not bringing, not being hesitant to bring up Vinny and Nick. Um, There is going to be a learning curve. We saw that with Bobby Witt Jr., which is this example that he cited in the article as well. 
and you kind of want that established and performing offense to be there to be able to um, endure and prop up that learning curve in theory. Um, I think <laughs> the fact that he and Nolan Gorman for the Cardinals just got pu- called up last week and him and Vinny were like the one and two. I think uh, I think there was one more, but they had the best triple A WRC plus um, this year so far. And Gorman's already hit two dingers in like a week. So I, I feel and, and I think Vinny's got a better plate approach as well. So I feel like he is way more major league ready than the theoretical uh, player that you would potentially delay the call up for in that scenario. So I, I understand where Piccolo is coming from in that reasoning, but I also am very like Vinny is not that dude that you're, you're doing this for type of thing. And that's, that's the frustrating thing for me is a, I don't actually believe them. I think it's horseshit. I think they're waiting for Santana to build some trade value. Sure. I think they're waiting for Ryan O'Hearn to whatever. I don't know. But I don't believe them that they're waiting for Vinny to do some magical adjustment period. I don't believe them. And so that is issue number A. Issue number two, (laughs) let's just say that they really do believe that. That they really do believe that Vinny is so soft that he couldn't handle a a little pressure. B, do you think your players are so dumb that they can't see the the, the big league team sucks? Do you think the minor leaguers can't see that? Like, do you think they they buy the bullshit because they don't? They don't. They know they suck. If you bring Vinny up, a he's not so soft that he can't handle it. Yeah. B, he doesn't feel the pressure. There is no pressure. The team is ass. It's hot, swampy ass. They're shit. They're horrible. They're horrible. It's a bad team. He's not going to feel pressure to be a one-man band. That's not a real thing. Pressure would be, hey, we're competing for a playoff spot. Hey, Vinny, you're the final piece. We need you to be the final piece. That's pressure. Pressure is not when you're 16 and 31. Kiss Mm -hmm. my ass. Well, the other part about that is like, so, so we've been kind of hammering this let the kids play uh, strategy idea, what have you, this whole time. And I, I want to know, I know what our motivation is that we want to see these guys that we've been pumping the helium for, for three, four seasons or whatever. We want to see them, you know, transcend to the next level, have success, you know, be the dudes that, that we've always kind of thought they could be. Um, and obviously we all know, everybody knows the prospects are going to flame out and some are going to fail and some are going to hit and it's just how it is. But I just, I do worry about the potential for this and they kind of already are doing this, but feeling a quad a team, there's been so many years in the past where we're just, we are just as much enraged at this point in the season because they look like a quad a team. And if they start bringing in just the kids, then they literally are a quad A team at that point. And they've always talked about like that triple A, the gap between triple A and the major leagues has never been, you know, larger. So it, it would absolutely qualify as a, tri- as a quadruple A team. And 
doing that kind of sends a lot of messages to a lot of people. To the fans, it sends like the season's over. We're just here to do what we can do. So don't bother coming out to the ballpark. Don't give us any more of your money or your attention. Just, you know, we'll see you next year. We're like 47 games in. So let's, that's kind of off the table to if you're like ownership or the front office at that point, you're not sending that message of 47 games. Then you send it. You send a message to the owner, like, we don't know what we're doing. The front office is like, we, we've been trying for five years. We have no idea what we're doing. So here's here's all the young kids, and we're going to throw them at the wall, see what sticks. That's not going to work. And to the veterans that you play, you're sending a message like, we failed you as much as you failed us. So do you want to come play for a, a front office that will, you know, pay you to suck and then ship you off, you know, half halfway through, three quarters of the way through your contract with us? No? Okay, we'll see you later, Nolan Arenado. Here's my rebuttal to that is if the team, let's say Carlos Santana was hitting. Let's Mm -hmm. say Carlos Santana was a league average hitter, not moving the needle, but a league average hitter, and the Royals Mm -hmm. were still sucking. Then I would at least listen to that argument because I do think that in certain situations, that's a really good argument. I think in 2017 and 2016, when the Royals had been good and were not quite what they were, <laughs> it's it's a legitimate argument because you are absolutely right for the context of what you of of the the premise of the situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's different because Vinny Pasquantino and Nick Prado could not physically make this team any worse. Right. Carlos Santana, by Fangraphs F War would literally be more valuable to the team if he did not play. He is literally a detriment to the team. If you could just stand up there and take up oxygen, you have as good of a chance of being as valuable as Carlos Santana has been. Mm -hmm. So my rebuttal to that would be bringing up the kids is not an act of, well, let's see what we got for the future. If you bring up Vinny Pasquantino now, you will win probably more games than you're winning at present. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, I'm, I'm not asking them to go get the kids so that the kids can just have some fun on the old ball field. Sure. I want better players on the field. I want to mm-hmm. win more games now. And I'm arguing, and I think a lot of people are arguing that Vinny gives you the opportunity to do that. Now, I totally understand where you're coming from. And yeah. I 100% agree with the premise. I just don't think it applies this year. Because Carlos Santana has been such garbage that Vinny Pasquantino would legitimately be a better. Let's say they were trying to get to the playoffs. Let's say that everybody else was hitting and pitching well. And this team was 10 games above 500. And we're talking about them going to the playoffs. Go get him so he can help you get there. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter what the situation is, Vinny is a better present day scenario option than Santana. I do understand what you're saying, and I guarantee you that's what they're thinking. I guarantee you they're thinking we don't want to throw all the kids out there because then it looks like, look what Emmanuel Rivera has done. Emmanuel Rivera was not that big of a prospect. He just hit another home run today. Kyle Isbell has one of the best hard hit rates in all of baseball. MJ Melendez is one of your best hitters. Bobby Mm -hmm. Witt Jr. is one of your best players, period, full stop, point blank. The youngest players on the team are the best players on the team, and they refuse to go get more of them. I think that's my frustration. It's not, it's not that they're 
a middling team. It's that they're a bad baseball team who won't do the things necessary to be a good one. That is that is my biggest frustration. But if you're trying fair. to make an argument for the front office, I think that's exactly what they're thinking. And it's not not necessarily I'm trying to make an argument for them or no, carry I, their I water or, or defend them or anything. It's just I want to understand where where they're coming from. And if they're going to make a point, I want to be able to be like, okay, that makes sense or that's complete horseshit. And what we've kind of been hearing lately, I can understand what they're saying. I'm willing to give them a benefit of the doubt, even though I haven't really earned it, but Piccolo's, you know, newly instituted. So whatever I'm, I'm willing to kind of hear them out on this, but it's, it's one of those things where I, I want to make sure that I am completely understanding what they're saying before I am able to get mad online and talk about it. And you, you want to talk about F war and, and Carlos Santana being terrible. Salvi is just, just a hair better than Carlos Santana has been. He's at zero point or negative 0.2 war. So does that mean he's going to lose plate appearances to MJ Melendez because of that? Or are you going to hold it out and see if Salvi can, you know, rebound like he did last year? Not that Carlos Santana did that last year, but you know, injuries, whatever. Uh, it, it's just it's an it's a balancing act, and that's kind of where my final point is: is to let the kids play the line of construction of this theory about you know letting the kids play. There's going to be some issues with that because you know if you want Melendez catching, you want Prado at first, you want Whit Merrifield, I'm guessing, I mean, my theory, Whit Merrifield will be at second base, Bobby Wood Jr. at third, Nikki at short at that point, Ben Attendee, Isbell, and Dozier in right field, and then you're calling up Vinny and Prado in that in this scenario. So Vinny at DH, uh, you're benching Salvi. You got Carlos and Santa and O'Hearn somewhere in that mix. Rivera's in that mix. Michael A. Taylor's in that mix. Cam Oliveris. I mean, there's just – there's a lot of different parts. You can't just cut Ryan O'Hearn and Carlos Santana. Why? Call up Vinny and Prado because you you can't. You already have a DH. You already have a catcher in Melendez and Salvi. You want everyday at bats for those dudes. What are you going to do? Where are you going to put Vinny and Prado in that situation? Vinny plays first base. You trade Benintendi and Prado goes to left. And by the way, I'm okay with them leaving Prado down for a little bit because yeah. Yeah, he's got some things like legitimately he could probably work on. Yeah, and and nobody's arguing that Salvi shouldn't play. Like Salvi just right. came off a season leading the league in home runs, but right, I do think Benintendi gets traded sooner rather than later. I yep. don't ever need to see Michael A. Taylor play another game. You can trade him, you can play him. I don't <laughs> care. I just I'm indifferent at this point with yeah. But that is, I mean, like I I don't know how it sounds so that, you coming back. But like, basically what you said is you have all these good hitters. Like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to play them? It's like, well, I would rather have the good ones than like, you like, you, like, it's like you said, you can't like, they've already got Santana and O'Hearn on the roster. Why can't we replace them with good players? Like, I don't know. Like, I know what you're saying. I know you're, I know where you're coming from, but the players we're talking about have been so bad for so long. Yeah. That it's like, I, I don't I don't know what else we're doing here. I, and I think the big one is Pasquantino and Santana. Like, if we just wanted to focus on that and yeah. funnel – because to your point, they've done a pretty good job of letting Emmanuel Rivera play, finding yeah. places for MJ Melendez. And, and back to my point, they're hitting. They're doing good. Yes, they are. Why yep. are we not trying to actively do more of these things? Go get more of them. It's like 
it's almost like they they did some good things like oh that's enough good shit for a year like, we, don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to worry about doing anything else good because MJ's good it's like no right. just go get more of them go get Vinny replace him with or replace Santana with Vinny and then when you trade Benintendi go get Prado put him in left field and then they can alternate they can rotate and I just that that's the most frustrating thing is you have in-house options all the other kids you've playing, do they have a rookie who's or, or a young kid who's been legitimately bad? Like, I know Lopez hasn't been good all year, but he was pretty good last year. He had one of the 15 right. best seasons in baseball, according to fan graphs. So he's at a positive F4. So, somehow, wh- like, that, that kind of blew my mind. What is the example of a young guy that's not working out at the plate? Who is the example? Um, I mean, Emmanuel Rivera is just above league average. I mean, every time we are like, why is I mean I don't understand why they're getting it. he'll hit two two home runs in three games or something like that that he's done so just like yeah that's a, I mean that was that's but really that's, the best example and th- and that's his role right is be a, right. be a bench bat come in and play in situations play some but third it's base tough. I mean third base and first base we've always had issues with that since Moose and Hosmer left and those are two places in the lineup you cannot have holes you cannot have average guys at and that's what all that's the only thing that they've had in the last since those two guys left that's all they've had is average to slightly above average to slightly below average chester cuthbert for the life of me just murdered my spirit i, I he was like never seemed above average or even average sometimes and I, every time i would like openly say something against him he would hit home run so i'm not saying that emmanuel rivera is chester cuthbert but those are two spots in the lineups that you cannot have mediocrity and they've put a lot of it out there and all of it, that's all it's been for the last five seasons. You got any final thoughts? Should we bring Seth back for some final thoughts? Seth, give, give me a Let's thumbs go. up if you want to come in for some final thoughts. <laughs> Blink twice if you're in Milwaukee. Seth, I want you to know <laughs> look you look face. like look a at this guy. He looks like a 42-year-old redneck <laughs> on the front porch of an Oklahoma trailer ready to watch beater. a tornado. <laughs> So not super far off, except it's Waldo instead of uh, Oklahoma <laughs> mm-hmm. and 23 instead of 42. But other than that, 100% right. Just redneck ready to watch a tornado. I heard there was a tornado watch anyway. Yep. So hopefully it just, like, that really is what you're doing, aren't you? Yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. it just sucks up all the bad baseball and throws it away. But I'd have to be a freaking F5 at this point. <laughs> Seth, you got any final thoughts tonight? Cheers. Um, so I, I sent some I sent some comments in the chat. I said I can help with that if you need to get mad again. When Uh-oh. you when you were like, you know, I'm happy, and I was like, no, you shouldn't be happy. This this sucks, man. <laughs> um, then I said there's a shortage on helium, Josh. When you said. Uh, when you said, like, uh, I think pumping them up with helium, there's a shortage on helium because of Ukraine, and it must be why the Royals suck. Um, and then I said, if they want to be a true quadruple-A team, they need to bring in Jorge Soler. Um, so those are, Ooh, those are kind of the notes that I have. So we're, we're still a little ways away from that. Uh, but other than that, I think they're more of a triple-A team until they do that and bring in Jorge Soler or they bring in – or they just swap the major league players with the triple-A players, and then they become an MLB team. But I, I don't think that's how that's usually supposed to work. But How long of... until we have relegation in Major League Baseball? Oh, yeah, maybe maybe we can end up in the Pecos League at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I 
feel like that should have come up in the labor negotiations this last offseason. Relegation. Like they were so anti anti tank uh, uh, rules and shit. I figured like relegation would have come up. Yeah, you know, you got nine rural New Mexico and West Texas teams in the Kansas City Royals. So you know. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe they could go play in the Cape, get the crap beat out of them by a bunch of college kids. Be some pretty yeah. good scenery. Way better than West Texas. I don't know, man. Most beautiful place in America. You know, it's, <laughs> it's God's it's country. Than, trust me, it's better than watching the Royals try and play baseball. So <laughs> Seth looks like I'm trying to f- figure out what he looks like right now. He he kind of looks like your uncle who only comes to Christmas and then leaves as soon as the presents are opened. Mm. Like you never see him except for Christmas. He comes, he gets his presents, he leaves. That's what you look like right now. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I've operated in silence under the name Platinum Sombrero. Um, turns out that I'm actually not Maximilian Robespierre wearing a sombrero. Mm. <laughs> you were Bruce no. Chin. Well, I was a big yeah, fan I of Bruce Chin's. I heard, the, I heard that guy got on popular <laughs> after a while and they kind of disposed of him. Um, I don't know why. Seemed like a pretty charming guy, but uh, I don't know. You look like the character of a Turnpike Troubadour song. <laughs> When was the last yeah. time a Turnpike Troubadours song band member fan wore a Titleist hat? I just really hope it's not the house fire because, like, that's going to be a really shitty night for me. No, it's the tornado <laughs> warning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's right. I think it's a tornado watch, though. So Yeah, just a watch. Yeah, so that means watch it from your front porch. away from a warning. Yeah, well, we'll watch it from your yeah. front porch. <laughs> Don't do that. But, that's not That's not us or anybody affiliated with our podcast condoning it. It's just... yeah. So, but I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm trying yeah. to think of anything else I might want to say. Yeah, don't don't feel like you have to. We appreciate you, yeah. Seth. <laughs> Seth made the show twice in one night. Something yeah. I never thought would happen once, and he did it twice. He managed. Did he get? Did his, so did he get out. doxed? Is, is that his official doxing? What do you mean? Has he like has he been operating under the alias until tonight? I mean, I think I've referred to him as Seth before, but like, I don't we know. We never saw his face. I've actually met Seth before. Mm-hmm. I've met Seth more than I've met Patrick, which is. <laughs> I'm still not completely sold that Patrick Brennan is a real person. I met him. I met him two, three, four weeks know. ago. Met him. Me never and Joel him. did. I don't know if people would believe me that me and Patrick have never met. Like, people listening to this. Like the Patrick Brennan, founding father, the godfather of Royals Farm Report. I've never met him. He, he ghosts me every time we have something planned. I'm not convinced he's a real person. He's he he might be a ghost, literally. In that, anytime you go looking for him, you can't find him. But anytime you're not looking for him, he'll just appear out of nowhere. He's just there. Yep. How tall is he? About five four, five five. No, he's he's a legitimately average dude. Like. Five, five ten in real I'm life. Guess six five ten. Yeah, I'm guessing six something. <laughs> yeah. He's got something very like um. What's the villain in um, the Incredibles? It's the syndrome, right? Syndrome. Yep. That his right. name. That's what. That's the kind of hair he's got going for him. So, I think who was the pitcher I likened him to? Uh, Dustin May. Dustin. No. Nope. Nope. It was. Uh, I can't remember. This is not – go ahead and cut this, Tucker. Just go ahead and cut that. No, keep the, it, The whiskey's gotten on top of me. Josh, any final thoughts tonight? 
Um, I don't really have any special thoughts or final thoughts. I'm just uh, happy to be here, and I'll keep watching Royals because I have to. And uh, to a comment earlier about Royals fans being dumb, some are dumb, and I'm one of those people. So thanks for having me. My only final thought of the night is the Royals Farm Report logo on Twitter will remain black until Vinny Pasquantino until Vinny Pasquantino's in the big leagues. When he gets called up, we'll put it back to blue. But um, it's just a small sign of the rebellion beginning. If you, <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter, I have mentioned twice now that the rebellion has begun. And I'm look I'm gonna find a way to organize like an actual rebellion. Like we're gonna have Peaceful. some kind of yeah, the the glorious revolution, if you will. Start with an airplane banner. Okay, airplane banner, um, a burning scarecrow in the parking lot. Not mm, a little hairy, but yeah, I get you. Seth is typing. I wonder if he has any good thoughts about. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I'm just I'm done. I, I've yeah. got nothing left. Like I've. I've thought about totally. like stop tweeting fraternity, egalite, liberté, <laughs> vene, nikite, any other Jackson a, Carlos a. Are we ready for those guys? Dude, at this point, like it's I'm. I don't know, man. Probably not. <laughs> Let's see what Coar can can do. A couple more rebound. Been really good. Three three solid starts here recently. So, see if he can build upon that. Carlos, did see Carlos had a good swing and strike uh, rate on his you know couple starts here. So maybe he's maybe he's working things out. We'll see. Had to send him away to get better. That's classic. Mm-hmm. Very classic Royals. Seems to be a trend. You you ever seen um, Peabody and Sherman? I know of them. They were Rocky Bullwinkle, yeah? No, Peabody and Sherman is a movie. It's a dog, genius dog, and he adopts a son, like a human boy. Yeah, I think there were side characters of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show going up. I didn't know they were on Rocky and Bullwinkle. Irregardlessly, what what do you got? They In the movie, they go to the French Revolution and... um, Peabody, Peabody tells him, he says, Sherman, he's like, what, what did I tell you about the French revolution? He goes, afterwards, it's going to rain. And he goes, no, afterwards comes the rain of terror. And then they cut a watermelon. He's like, oh no, it's a cantaloupe. A cantaloupe. Who is like the lowest of the melons. <laughs> I, I mean, Gallagher would, would appreciate that joke. I'm sure. Gallagher, he was the one to smash fruit in stand-up oh, comedy. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, man. <laughs> That's where we are. That's where we are. Let's get out of here. What are we Let's doing here? here. We, we, need to, we need to talk about Trump, or Trump Farm. Oh, yeah. Drum Farm. Thanks to Drum Farm for the minor league minute. Thanks to KCSE. Tickets for less. Your local... Dude, I don't know. We'll see you guys later. Have a great night. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.